For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Believe in UCLA podcast, the UCLA sports podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. My name is Sam Conan. I am joined once again by my co-host, Travis Reed. Travis, how's it going, man? Hey, Sam. How you doing, man? I'm doing all right. You know, uh, came down with a, a case of COVID this past <laughs> this past week, past few days. So still getting over that. I won't be able to be there in person for the, the big main event we're going to be talking about today, UCLA, Arizona. Um, but there will be fans allowed there. Uh, UCLA just announced that Friday night that fans are once again allowed at games, unlike the Oregon matchups a few weeks ago. So hopefully that's packed. Uh, I will be watching from home, but I, I'm looking forward to seeing what the environment's going to be for sure. Uh, most definitely. I feel like if any game you have to have fans at, it has to be Arizona. Um, it's the biggest rivalry in college sports, in my opinion. I mean, besides North Carolina Duke, but Arizona UCLA has tradition. And this year, for the first time in a long time, they're both excellent teams. You know, UCLA is number eight, I think, or, you know, eight or nine in the country. Arizona's number three in the country, something like that, three or four, I think. Yeah. You know, so when's the last time USC and Arizona have been in the top 10 playing each other? So. Um, it's going to be, I, I'm really, really, really excited and really, really nervous about this game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. There, there's a lot to break down there. So we'll get to that and, and cover all the bases there. Uh, UCLA, they are coming off back-to-back wins. They got the mountain school road sweep over Utah and Colorado on Thursday, Saturday, a couple of close wins, but uh pretty, pretty solid wins. They didn't look their best, but when you don't look your best and you come away with conference road wins, I mean, that's when you know you're a pretty good team. So we'll break those down too. And uh, just touch on some UCLA football stuff, some coaching moves, some roster moves over the past week, transfer portal stuff with USC and Oregon, how they're looking uh, just kind of, kind of generally touching on those before we get to, uh, I don't know, these next couple of weeks, we got the NFL draft showcases coming up with the collegiate bowl and the senior bowl, all that the February signing dates coming up in a few weeks. So before we get to that, uh, just a few little things to touch on here and there, but we'll open up talking about that mountain school road sweep. Uh, it started on Thursday with the Utah game. Uh, there were times where it was not looking good. <laughs> uh, it was a really close game all the way throughout. I think the last, once I got to the the 13 minute mark of the first half, from then all the way to the end, they were separated by five points the entire time. Like no one was ever up by two possessions, by more than two possessions. So to to squeak out a 63-58 win, pretty solid. Played pretty good defense there. 
Utah had a chance twice to end it or to tie it with three pointers at the end, got pretty decent looks, but missed. Uh, that's not great. You, you want to have a little bit better defense there, but they didn't hit it. So it is what it is. So just starting with that Utah game, Travis, what were your takeaways? Uh, your just general impressions from that performance. Obviously, you know, we can just start with the number one performance being uh, Johnny Juzang. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I think he had 29 points. I think he hit. Every, yeah, 28. Uh, 28, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, he hit every crucial shot they needed. Anytime they needed a basket, he's the one that delivered. I, I felt like he played well because uh, I know he, he hasn't really had a breakout game in the last, you know, couple games so I think he wanted to really play well um I don't know like everybody else kind of was meh you know for the game (laughs) yeah you know you know um besides him like I said he carried us that game I also feel like Utah is a a tough place to play uh you know so I'm just happy like I said getting road wins in the conference is really hard as we saw with even Villanova losing to Marquette Marquette beat Villanova in Villanova. So, yeah. you know, I think that, you know, conference play is just a different animal. This year is going to be even different, you know, with the up and down COVID stuff. I think, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm really happy that they got the win in Utah. Really happy. Yeah. And I think you, the first thing you brought up was the number one storyline from that game. Cause mm-hmm. yeah, the defense was all right. You hold them to under 60, but Johnny Juzang was the one and only reason they won that <laughs> game because, I mean, yeah, he has had his down points at at some times this year. And a lot of people for a bunch of different reasons are saying, oh, Jaime is the best guy on this team. Tiger is the best guy on this team. And you and I have both said that at at different points this year. But honestly, when you're looking for a guy to put the ball in the basket, there is no one else you want other than Johnny Juzang. I I think that's pretty undisputed. I Mm -hmm. sense coming back from the COVID break when Jaime has been banged up. He hasn't looked like himself. Uh, mm-hmm. Cody Riley's still getting his legs under him. Mm-hmm. Tiger has had great games and not so great games. His last two games may have been some of his worst <laughs> since, uh, <laughs> since joining UCLA and they won both. So that's, that's good. But Johnny has really stepped up in that stretch, especially this past weekend. I mean, the last four games, let me pull up the, the stats. He's averaging 24 and a half points, six rebounds, two assists, one steal per game. He's shooting 57% from the field, uh, 47% from three, and 86% from the free throw line. Uh, my, my favorite part here is, yeah, 3.8 three-point attempts per game, which is not a lot for someone who is shooting eight, 10 per game, not per game, but there were times when he's just firing them way earlier in the year. He's less than four three-point attempts. He's hitting them, which is fine, but seven over seven free throw attempts per game. He's getting to the line. He's being aggressive. He's scoring in the mid-range. He's scoring from three. He's scoring at the free throw line. He's getting layups. He's really doing it all, and he's proving that he is an all-round scorer. Uh, Mick Cronin said that when he first got here from Kentucky, he had to tell him, you're not a shooter, you're a scorer, and this is the epitome of that. When he's putting up over 23 points in four straight games and he's rebounding and he's just hitting from everywhere on the court and he's really carrying this team to wins, that's who Johnny Juzang needs to be and uh, that's who UCLA needs him to be when everyone else isn't on their game. And luckily, lucky for them, they've got that. 
Well, no, I, I think he's showing why he's, you know, this is my opinion. I think he's the best two guard in the country. Um, you know, I think that you're right. I think if, if, you know, people haven't seen Kentucky play, there's a guy, Grady, he was, went to Davis. He's a senior. That's all he does is shoot threes. He doesn't, doesn't dribble, doesn't go to basket, doesn't anything but shoot threes. And when Juzang was at Kentucky, that's all he did was just spot up and shoot threes. And so I, he is the perfect example of why the transfer portal portal works, right? Because at, on Kentucky, he was a bench guy. He wasn't even starting, you know? He came, he was like the eighth guy, eighth, ninth guy. He transfers to UCLA last year and just from the final four on, he's been sensational, but I, 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 I revel and I'm proud of him because he, he not only play, he plays defense, you know, like you said, he shoots the mid range. He shoots the three, he shoots off the dribble. He creates his shot. He's, you know, stand show shoots. I think he's really expanded his game. And I think coach Nick Cronin deserves a lot of credit of giving him the confidence uh, to expand his game. Like, look, you know, like you're a scorer. Scores can do everything. Shooters are Steve Kerr. You know, scores are Paul Pierce. You know? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? People yeah. who can't shoot, but they score. Yeah. And he, Johnny, followed up 28 points with 23 on Saturday. So mm-hmm. it, this is a good stretch for him. It's not like it has been in the past where it's kind of a one off. He's really feeling it right now. And it's been good. He was, he shot 50% from the field on Saturday. Um, if you look at the rest of the team on Saturday, we'll, we'll talk about this win a little bit too. 71-65 over Colorado. Colorado's a pretty good team. Always hard to win at Colorado for mm-hmm. sure. Um, but yeah, Johnny Juzang, mm-hmm. 23.6 rebounds. Jaime got a little bit back to himself. 14 points, five rebounds, four assists. Uh, that, was, that was pretty good. He hit a couple threes. Uh, Tiger was pretty much absolutely dreadful on offense <laughs> until it mattered most. And then he, he comes off a of Cody Riley screen, steps back and hits a key three pointer in the last two minutes. So even when your guys aren't playing their best and they come through in big moments, that's huge. Tiger did that. Miles Johnson actually gave you good minutes off the bench. He's been not so good since the COVID break, which is funny because he went into the COVID break break playing really well. And, the past few games, it's been tough for McCronin to, to find minutes for him, a quality minutes for him. He's had to be out there because Cody's been in foul trouble or hurt or like has, has well, conditioning issues. But uh, like Miles has not been great recently until this past game. And he gets eight points, doesn't miss a shot, uh, a couple rebounds, block. You know, he's, he's out there. He's playing good defense. He's switching correctly. He's really getting back into the mid December miles that, that we had earlier on. So that's mm-hmm, good. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's pretty much uh, Jules Bernard. He had nine points, mo- mostly from the free throw line. I think it was eight for 10 from the free throw line. That's that's even when he was an out of control freshman, that's always been something he's been good at is getting to the free throw line. And that's good mm-hmm. because uh, he has not been good from the free field lately. He was two for eight on Saturday, missing open shots, kind of out of control, but Hey, if he's getting the free throw line, that's fine. But once again, on Saturday, it was really just the Johnny Juzang show. Plus, Jaime showed up a little bit too, which is good. 
Well, no, like I said, I, I would dare anybody to say it, uh, Johnny Juzang is a player of the week. <laughs> oh, <know>? yeah. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, what is that? 25 points per game on the weekend, like six rebounds. Yeah, yeah. 50-40-90 like, like, guy. I <laughs> dare you. I dare anybody to say he's not player of the week. Mount, um, mountain school, road sweep. I mean, I I, yeah. I haven't seen other guys' stats, but that is just – No, no, that's that. – I think, um, you know, Saturday's game – they were up. They were up twenty at one point, or fifteen, or whatever it was. It, yeah, kind of, it was seventeen early. Yeah, in the second yeah, yeah. Half. yeah. They, you know, I think they kind of let their foot off the off the paddle a little bit. They kind of start cruising, <laughs> and then Colorado, you know, got some confidence. Kind of came back. Yeah, but, that, I mean, that crowd makes a difference too. No, I mean, no, they, definitely, they definitely. Haven't played in front of a crowd like that. Maybe the Marquette game, but other than that, it's really the first time all year. Yeah, they. You know, I think these these are the games you need to get tested on because. Uh, you know, if they're a one seed or a two seed, you know, like they're going to have to play like a neutral, you know, like in a tournament, right? You got to be able to handle situations. So I think that when you're playing on the road, uh, Colorado, you know, it'll, it'll get you ready for the Arizonas, get you ready for the SCs, maybe not SC because they might have no fans either, but we'll see. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Seriously. Yeah. But, but it'll get you ready for the Arizonas and things like that to where, you need those tough games where you're in tough environments uh, because, you know, uh, I think uh, UCLA, and this is my opinion, if they beat Arizona next week and we'll get into that <clears throat> and they beat SC, they should be a one seed somewhere, you know, because they would at, at that time, they would have beat two top 10 teams and probably a top, top 12 team, top 15 team, whatever SC's right now. So, the rest, their resume is going to be. They get a chance to really build it these next coming weeks. Yeah, I, I think just off the top of my head, I think whoever wins the Pac-12, well, okay, if Arizona or UCLA win yes. the Pac-12, it's it'll be a they, one, they'll be a one. Seed. They'll be a one seed. If USC comes out and wins it, probably not. Two. Yeah, probably. Yeah, two. they'll probably be a two. I mean, if that if that's the case, you could have three, two seeds out of the Pac-12. Um, yeah. Yep. But there, there's definitely still a path for UCLA to get to the one seed, and it starts with that Arizona game. And we'll we'll break that down a little bit. Uh, we'll take a quick break here to talk some football, just to go through the headlines from the week. Uh, started last weekend uh, with uh, some some key moves in addition subtraction. You had a Wyoming transfer Azizi Hearn, uh, who used to he I think he was a preferred walk on to Arizona. And uh, he's a pretty good, solid veteran guy. Uh, he's transferring to UCLA. But then later that day, uh, Jay Shaw, he said he's transferring away from UCLA. It turns out he commits to Wisconsin. So you lose your best cover corner, replace him with a solid veteran guy, but someone who doesn't really know the system as well and is probably not as good. So that's, uh, that's not great for the cornerback room. When Hearn initially committed, you're like, oh, cool. You get three, four starting corners now. And now you're like, oh. Do, do they even have two? Because you have Hearn and you have Devin Kirkwood. Uh, and then maybe you have Mo Osling, unless they put Osling at safety. Uh, but yeah, with Jay Shaw gone, with Obi Ivo gone, graduating, Cam Johnson graduating, that's uh, not great for the defensive backfield. I would say they probably knew that he might have been transferring. He had a possibility of going to the transfer for That's probably why they recruited, recruited the guy from Wyoming and like, you know, making sure that he, at least we have him in place just in case i guess but the interesting thing was i think it was the maybe first week of january second week of january uh jay shaw comes out on instagram says like i'm back i'm coming back for another year 
uh, and like publicly announces he's coming back for his super senior year. And everyone's like, okay, cool. Got it. He's coming back. But, <laughs> and then uh, like nine days later, he says he's not, which is, I mean, in that time, Chip Kelly signed his extension. Jerry Azanara resigned. Who knows what's happening with Brian Norwood? I guess he's not getting the, the job at Hawaii uh, as was previously rumored or brought up. Uh, so he'll probably end up staying as the DB's coach, but there has been some turnover. There have been some reports about misaligned XYZ between Jay Sean, the coaching staff, but it, it was a weird situation for him to say he's coming back and then just flip a switch like that. But I guess that's how it happens in college football nowadays. I, you know, like I said, with the transfer portal for college football, it's just insane, you know, like, or in yeah. college basketball too, like where, you know, like I can, well, if I'm not going to get the time I want, like say I'm playing, say football, right? I'm playing, but I'm only playing 65% of the snaps. I want 80% of the snaps or a hundred. And then another coach comes in, like, look, you, you come here, you'll play 90% of the snaps, you know? And then you're like, uh, am I going to chance it with this 65 or I'm going to just bounce, you know? And that's yeah. the transfer portal now. So um, it's just, I, I think it's a gift. I, I like it, but I also some things, you know, where it's, uh, it's kind of giving people a lot of outs. Yeah. And I, I think it's just, the chaos can be entertaining. The chaos can be good, <laughs> good, good for business and, and good content and all that. But then you also get, what, there's like 1700 guys in the portal and there's not those those guys end up leaving behind scholarship spots and they can't find a new place so you feel bad for those guys you hope it doesn't happen to anyone really um but i guess that's what happens and it's not happening jay shaw he he went to a really good program at wisconsin they they seem to know he's a good corner and that ucla is definitely going to miss him mm-hmm. uh so mm-hmm. in terms of the roster those are probably the two biggest moves you got uh mitch agude uh, edge rusher he's coming back forced four fumbles last year a couple tackles for loss i think 6.5 uh he's led ucla in tackles for loss over the last two years i want to say um and then so he's he's coming back that's good for his super senior year caleb johnson uh nothing super specific but he posted kind of a hype video kind of thing where it makes it seem like he's coming back and i mean the nfl draft deadline was last monday so we assume he's coming back uh, <laughs> unless he doesn't get into grad school or something. We'll see. There's always time left to transfer. Um, but that's, uh, those are a couple of guys that you could have been missing and you end up bringing back that linebacker room. You lose Jordan Jamar Keith after his one year coming from Notre Dame, but you could, you keep Caleb Johnson, keep Mitch Gude, keep Bo Calvert, keep Carl Jones, uh, Ali Caho, John, John Vons, uh, Jeremiah Trojan, Damian Sellers, and uh, came at Drano. That's a really good linebacking core right there. And it's pretty much all intact. Like I said, you lose Jamar Keith, but then you also go out and get the transfer from Hawaii, uh, Darius Masao. I mm-hmm. forget how to say it, but that's really good. That's going to be the strength of your defense. Cause on, on the line, you lost, you lost Agbonia, you lost uh, Sevea, you lost uh, Daytona Jackson. Uh, and then at corner, we were talking, that's pretty, pretty weak safety. Uh, you get Blaylock coming back, but you lose Warnell out of, to the transfer portal. You lose Q Lake uh, to the NFL draft. You bring in Kamari Ramsey, who's probably your best recruit. Uh, and then a couple, you got Craig Stewart, a couple good corner recruits coming in, but definitely a lot of question marks uh, in the secondary, really thin defensive line, which means that linebacking core is going to be 
really the 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 heart of that defense. And we were talking last week, you lose a lot of pieces from it. Defense might not be very good, even with as an arrow gone, but that linebacking group is good. That that's the one mm-hmm. thing this defense can rest on. Those linebackers are really, really good. They're deep, they're experienced, they're young. Just they cover all the bases. That's really good to see if you're if you're a UCLA fan. No, definitely. I think um you know, with, with the NFL and transfer portal, you know, you, you really can get gutted as a team sometimes. And obviously what Chip, Chip Kelly's doing, we talked about it last week about how he's the transfer portal guy now, you know? You know, there are some recruits that he will recruit, but most of the time might be, you know, uh, super seniors because, you know, remember he was in win now mode this year. Uh, next year we'll see. Uh, but I mean, to be honest, if you only sign a three-year extension, you're probably in win-now mode every year, you know? Yeah, yep. Um, so, like, you'll see – you might see more recruits, but you also probably see a lot of transfer portal guys. So, because you're always in the – like, um, you know, guys like – I mean, it doesn't really matter for, like, guys like Nick Saban, but, you know, other guys who sign those 10-year deals, Brian Kelly, you know, things like that, they don't – they can just recruit kids. They don't need to get transfer portal kids if they really don't want it. But since Chip Kelly only signed a three-year extension, he has to get transfer kids because he has to win win now. He can't go like going from eight to four to four and eight. He can't, he can't, you know. Yeah. Um, he cannot do that. So he has to um win now. And so like that's the hints of recruit, you know, transfer portal. Yeah. And, and speaking of recruiting, just if, before we move on to talking about the Arizona basketball game. A few key things that popped up this week, I think they were interesting this weekend. Uh, we're talking about the transfer portal, and we talked last week about how Chip likes to rely on it, and that's kind of become his MO. Uh, quarterback is a bit of a different story because on, uh, I think it was Friday, they offer Elijah Brown. He's maybe the top quarterback in the 2024 class, so he's going way ahead down the line. The starting quarterback from modern day, obviously big school around here in LA, the national champions. He was amazing as a sophomore and they're already giving him an offer. 2023, uh, Dante Moore, he's from uh, out in Detroit. He's a four-star, five-star guy that they gave an offer on, on Saturday. And they also offered, uh, I think over Christmas break, the, the other big guys in that, this upcoming class, uh, Nicholas Amavala and Jaden Rashada. So they have three offers out to top five QBs for the class of 2023, and they're already going after one of the biggest guys in 2024. So mm-hmm. it's interesting how he's taking a different approach there at quarterback mm-hmm. versus everywhere else. And it's it's going to be fun to see what ends up happening at quarterback because you got Dorian this year, and, and that'll I mean you know what you have there. But after that, you got uh, Justin Martin coming in, and uh, you got Ethan Garbers, and you're going after all these top recruits and. I'm really interested to see how it, how it turns out. We're going to eventually get some quarterback competition. And by the looks of it, it's going to be some pretty athletic, cool, dynamic, interesting guys. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, they're looking for somebody similar to what they have now. Chip Kelly's system, you can't be a, a pocket quarterback in Chip Kelly's system. Um, even if it's not like the Oregon system, you really can't be just a guy who kind of just stands like a Brady a Brady doesn't work for, for Chip Kelly, you know, cause his offense is a fast offense. So I think um, all the quarterbacks he, you know, he's looking at are probably quarterbacks that can kind of not necessarily just dual threat, but like at least have the ability to run. Yeah, for sure. And 
like you said, it's not the blur anymore. It's not what it, not what it used to be, but it's still Chip Kelly's offense. And he knows that it's centered around a quarterback and it's centered around a run game. So we'll see how that goes, uh, how they end up progressing in the, uh, on the recruiting trail, moving forward, uh, on the transfer portal, the quarterback position, whatever it is, we'll break it down in the coming weeks. But Tuesday night is the big headlining event, UCLA versus Arizona at Poly Pavilion. Uh, fans are back in the stands. It's a big one. It's on ESPN. Uh, and yeah, let's, <laughs> let's break it down. Travis UCLA. We've, we've been talking to them obviously all year, uh, but Arizona, they got Mathurin. Uh, he's averaging 18 points a game, six rebounds, maybe the Pac-12 player of the year. Uh, <laughs> he's averaging 15 and six, uh, Coloco. He's been a just absolute monster 13 and seven. Uh, really those three guys are their their key guys, uh, Kresa, uh, Kirk Kresa, he's got 11 points, six assists a game. Really, they have passing, they have rebounding, they have defense, they have the athleticism. Yes. They're a really good team top to bottom, and this is the number one top best team that UCLA has played so far this year. I know they played Villanova. I know they played Gonzaga. I think this is going to be the biggest test for UCLA just because they're a different team. They're skilled but they're incredibly well coached and they're incredibly athletic. That's going to be very interesting to see how this maybe skill-based effort-based team in UCLA goes up against a freak athletic team like Arizona. Well, the funny thing about that is that, and you know what? I thought about it. Uh, I remember when I was at UCLA, that we played Arizona. Arizona was number four in the country. They had Jason Terry, a bunch of guys, Richard Jefferson. Um, and we were like number eight. And we beat them at UCLA. I remember that. And then we lost them. There you go, manifesting it now. Yeah, so I'm just kind (laughs) of putting that in the air. Come on, UCLA. But now I watched them play. They're extremely athletic. They are the most athletic team. Them and Baylor are the two most athletic teams in all the college basketball, period. Mm -hmm. It's not even close. Um, And so I think, you know, for them, UCLA – everybody's going to have to step up to the challenge. I think the thing about Arizona is that their length is going to maybe cause tiger problems on defense, meaning tiger might not be able to get to the basket. You know, it's because they're so long and it's so big and it's so athletic that he's going to have to play a heady game. I think, you know, like I said, I, I know that Johnny, Johnny Juzang is going to want to show that he's the best player in the Pac-12 uh, against Arizona's best player. So that is going to be the matchup of, you know, of the year so far, two great perimeter players. And I, you know, Jaime, Jaime has to play spectacular because I think Riley is going to, hopefully he gets better. Cause I, I meant to, be, I meant to go back to Cody, Cody Riley, um, mm-hmm. that he's finding his legs and his conditioning, but he hasn't been the presence that he's been last year in the tournament run. You know, he was, he runs really stiff, uh, you know, like it's, you know, like you can just tell he's just getting back into it. And so for us, you know, Johnson has to play big, like his, you know, against Arizona, he cannot go small. He can't go Jaime at the center. Um, they're just too big and physical. Yeah. So, not, not with Coloco out there. Absolutely so, not. <laughs> <laughs> so they, you know, like you see, he's going to need their big men to play big this game, you know? And the guards, like it's going to be, I would just say this is a game for men. This is a, this is a game for men that you want to see. And if you really that good, if, if whoever's that good, 
Johnny, Jaime, all these guys, so when they have any kind of aspirations for the next level, this is the game to show it because this is the game everybody's watching. I can guarantee you that. Yeah, for sure. And I'm just looking at the stats here for Arizona. This is crazy. I mean, they're <laughs> second in the country in scoring, uh, first in assists, first in rebounds, third in blocks, uh, second in <laughs> field goals made. If you just look at their Pac-12 ranks, they shoot the most uh, – yeah, they have they they lead in field goals made, attempts, field goal percentage, two pointers made, two point percentage. They shoot the second most threes in the conference, the best defensive rebounding team in the conference, <laughs> most assists in the conference, most blocks, second best holding onto the ball, highest scoring team in the conference. They're scoring like 86 a game in conference play. And they also are allowing 64, which is the third best defense in conference play. And that's pretty much right on par with UCLA's defense, allowing 64 yes. a game. But uh, UCLA is averaging about 72 points per game in conference play, not 86. <laughs> so that Arizona offense is going to be a, a massive problem. Cody Riley, like you're talking about, has to go back to Final Four run Cody Riley, where he was shutting down uh, uh, Hutchinson on Michigan. He, he yeah. could shut down seven-footers. He could shut down athletic guys. Uh, he, went, he went toe-to-toe with Tomei from Gonzaga. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, he needs to be that. And now he has Miles Johnson to supplement that, who is more of a interior post defender. Maybe he doesn't have the athleticism or, mm-hmm. or um, like, the chemistry that Riley does. But maybe they can kind of go hand-in-hand and use the two of them as a tandem. This will really test that. It will test Mick Cronin's substitution pattern when it comes to the two of them because – like you said, this is not a game where you can put Jaime or Jalen Clark at center. You're going to have to rely completely on Cody Riley and Miles Johnson. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. how do you manage them? How do you rotate them? When does one come in for the other? Who plays crunch time? You're probably playing Cody in crunch time, but how are you making those subs at the end of the game, especially if it's close game? That'll be really interesting to see. That's something I'm looking forward to. But pretty much you're going to have to limit one of the best offensive teams in the Pac-12 in years to, I don't know, under 75 points or else you're, you're screwed. You, you can't win this game if you allow over 80 points, at least in regulation. I don't know what happens if it goes no, to overtime no. or anything, but you got to shut them down. Yes. I think they got to, you know, they have to keep it in the seventies and this is me seventies. You might not, you might not be able to shut Arizona down to the sixties. Oh yeah. Well, gotta, yeah. When I say shut down, it's, <laughs> this is on a sliding scale. Yeah. 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 <laughs> You got to be 70-ish, 70, maybe 60s, but most likely 70. If yeah, you're not 80, holding this team to under 70. No way. Yeah, yeah. so I said, if, if they're at 79, okay. You know, you're at 86, right? Uh, but, like, you got to they got to be in the 70s or below. Um, they cannot, you see, they cannot just um, go three for three. You know, like, they, you know, like Arizona's a great shooting team. And they can't go three for three. Like I said, I watched them go into Illinois at the time when Illinois was like top 15 in the country and just destroy them, you know? Like, in the it was ended up being close, but, like, I felt that Arizona had no chance of losing. It was that much better. Illinois is one of the more athletic teams in the country. So UCLA, they're going to have to outsmart them, you know? And like, like you said, this is going to test Nick Cronin's coaching ability it's going to be about matchups and it's going to be about who who can guard who, who you're going to put on who, who you're going to put Johnny Juzang on, who you're going to put, 
you know, Bernard on is going to be, you know, do you put Bernard on their best player that's averaging 18 a game? Do you put Bernard on him because he's quicker? Do you put Juzang because he's taller? You know, does Johnny Juzang want to take the challenge and say, coach, no, I got him, you know? Um, it's going yeah. to be, like I said, it's going to be a heck of a matchup either way, either way. It's like, I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah. I mean, Johnny's been a, a much better defender this year than last year. So uh, I'm interested to see who Cronin puts him on or who, who he calls out and who he wants to cover. I think that'll be big uh, in terms of the path to beating uh, Arizona, just looking at their, their one loss was to Tennessee. They lost that 77, 73. So there you go. You got to keep them in the seventies. Uh, they barely beat Illinois. Obviously they outplayed them, but ended up being a four point game. That was 83, 79. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there you go. They break 80 and they win. And then they win by four against Wichita state uh, back in November. It was 82, 78. Once again, they break 80, they win. You can't have them break 80. <laughs> I, um, let me look at just what happened in that Tennessee game. Cause Tennessee is a, a good team and they're, they're in the top 25. They're ranked. Yeah. Um, they, um, I would say this in the Tennessee game. I, I didn't see the game. I saw highlights, but like they, Tennessee plays extremely good in physical defense. Yeah, that's the thing. That's Tennessee. If you look at where they rank just in the country or in the SEC, nothing really jumps off the page uh, except for steals. They're top 10 in steals uh, and they're top 30 defense. So mm-hmm. that's what you have to recreate. UCLA got a lot of steals and they're forcing a lot of turnovers against Colorado on Saturday. That's really the reason they went out to that big 17 point lead is because where well, they get like 18 points off turnovers in the first <laughs> half alone. That's what we're going to have to do to this Arizona team. I don't know if you can do that, but that's really the path to success. Cause yes. yeah, let's see that. Um, Mathurin, uh, he had 28 points against Tennessee and Arizona still lost. So, and that's efficient shooting too. He got to the line. He was playing really well. 28, eight and five. So you really, you can let him go off. Not that you want him to go off, but just that he's going to be hard to contain no matter what. Uh, in this game, Coloco had four points, three rebounds, 19 minutes. But it, yeah, he fouled out. You got to keep him in foul trouble. Uh, Tabulas, six points, four fouls. He had three rebounds. Keep him in foul trouble. Creesa, uh, keep him in foul trouble. That's really, like, like you said, being physical, forcing turnovers, getting guys in foul trouble. That's how mm-hmm. you beat this team. Mm-hmm. I think there's a chance. I don't know if they do it, though. Well, like I said, I, <laughs> he said, so you're telling me there's a chance now. Nah, uh, <laughs> I think, like I said, they would have to. It's going to be, you know, really interesting to see. Um, I'm a UCLA diehard UCLA fan. You know, I, I love them. But like I said, it's going to be interesting to see how good they really are uh, right now. Um, win or lose, uh, I think they still can be really good. But this is what this is what. I think that, you know, we'll see how good they really are this game because they 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 passed their first test against Villanova. They failed their second test against uh, Gonzaga. Now this is their third big test, you know, against Arizona. Um, that's why, like, I'm really interested to see what happens defensively, like you said, because they're going to have to keep them in the 70s. And what happens uh, offensively for them? Because Arizona, like you said, they 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 they, they get out. They, if they're stealing, they're getting out of transition and they're kicking out threes, 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 threes. They want to get it up in the eighties, nineties, hundreds. So 
I think uh, if you say like take care of the ball, be physical on defense, rebound, rebound because Arizona's a good rebound team. Uh, I think that like I said, the, I'm nervous. Let's just say seventy percent <laughs> chance they win. <laughs> seventy. That's still pretty, pretty uh, optimistic. I think I'm maybe a little bit more on the pessimistic side. I I think UCLA <laughs> absolutely can win this game. I don't yeah. know if they will. Just I mean they've they've picked up some good wins in tough environments recently, but they haven't played their best and they're going to have to play their best in order to win on Tuesday. So I'm probably not going to pick them to win, but at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if they did. So that's pretty much what we're looking at on Tuesday. Um, That's pretty much all my voice can take right now. (laughs) We're going to wrap this up uh, right here. So Travis, thanks. uh, Thanks again for joining me and talking UCLA. Uh, Appreciate you coming on again where can people find you on social media find your work and and all that fun stuff all right well uh you know problem sam like i said you got a partner here buddy we you know we're gonna be like uh skip bayless and shannon sharp <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah you know um yeah you can find me at you know at travis w reed on instagram at travis w reed r-e-e-d not r-e-i-d uh and then Travis W. Reed on Facebook. Like I said, I post all my social medias as far as like my shows uh, and my content on those two platforms. And so like if you follow me on both, they're both open uh, to the public or well, Instagram when it's Facebook, you just, I'll just add you. Uh, they're both open to the public. And so, like I said, uh, you'll see all my content, everything on there. Yeah, sounds good. So uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Sam Conan, or you can follow uh, my site, uh, which is all Bruins, the UCLA site on Sports Illustrated's network. Uh, you can follow on Twitter or Facebook uh, and you find all UCLA news, podcasts, videos, interviews, all that fun stuff all week, every day. So keep an eye out for that. And uh, yeah, it's pretty much all we got. If you made it this far, thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe, like, turn on notifications, all that fun stuff, whether you're on Spotify, Google, Apple, any platform, just make sure to to give us the numbers, help us out a little bit. And uh, thanks so much for listening. We'll see you later. All right. Thank you. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. You know, when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.